0: Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. Today is Tuesday, August 30th, 2022. Coming to the end of the dog days here of the summer <laughs> and uh, starting to starting to get ready for the big uh, home stretch of the midterm push, starting after Labor Day. We're gonna have all sorts of different things happening at Hot Air. Uh, On that basis, we're going to have lots of transformation going on. You're going to be want to be part of it, be part of our membership. You're going to find out at the end of the podcast how you can do that. And uh, believe me, you're going to want to be part of the the hot air membership uh, by the time we get started after Labor Day. But today's top news, uh, we've got a lot of stuff going on right now. Uh, Of course, Joe Biden's upcoming speech on democracy. He's going to have a primetime address to the American people about democracy which apparently somehow jibes in with the idea that he has the total authority to spend hundreds of billions if not a trillion dollars all on his lonesome without congressional authorization i am not sure under what form of democracy that (laughs) exists but joe biden is going to try to tell us that on thursday evening apparently uh all has got a great post up on that uh jazz has got some good stuff going on today too um the Solomon Islands uh, has uh, sort of drifted into the Chinese sphere, and he takes a look at why that is and, and the uh, the strategic uh, failure that that represents. Great post. Uh, also, I take a look at a couple things this morning. First off, um, uh, the FBI has either fired or allowed to retire one of the um, agents that whistleblowers pointed at in the politicization of the Hunter Biden probe, Timothy Thibault. Was uh, escorted out of the office last week. CBS um, CBS reporter Catherine Herridge, who does fine work on national security stuff, um, reported that this morning, uh, this is a, a, a person is a high-ranking FBI official. This is not just a any ordinary agent. This high-ranking FBI official, whom whistleblowers accused of politicizing uh, the Hunter Biden probe in in letters to and um, testimony to. Uh, Chuck Grassley, who's the ranking member of the Senate Judiciary Committee. This is not the only agent, however, that Grassley has singled out in letters to Christopher Wray. He also he also singled out Brian Otten as uh, the target of whistleblower allegations. And in Otten's case, it was that um, uh, whistleblowers are accusing him of setting up the Senate Judiciary Committee uh, to ruin its credibility in its own probe of what the FBI is doing with Hunter Biden by misinforming it and uh, grassley was hot under the collar about that that was a letter that came out in late july about a month about a month ago Um, the letter that grassley sent out about tebow came out at the end of may and about four weeks ago just less than four weeks ago fbi director christopher ray was testifying in front of the judiciary committee and under questioning by uh, senator john kennedy republican of louisiana said that he found uh, tebow's social media output to be uh, deeply troubling And he had been removed from all of his assignments he'd been placed on uh, some sort of internal administrative leave i'm not exactly sure what that was but apparently he is trans he transitioned from that to what i called the the frank cross code nine from Scrooge, which was he was escorted out of the building the fbi is saying well look everybody gets escorted out of the building when they've been terminated for whatever reason that they've been terminated right retirement they resign whatever they always get an escort out of the building okay this is, that, that's not usually the case of somebody who's high rate. Well, I mean, I don't know if it's usually the case, but it's certainly interesting <laughs> to have somebody walked out of the building after this sequence of events. And it suggests that there's something else that's going on behind the de- uh, decision to separate uh, um, the uh, this particular FBI official from the Bureau. Uh, so that's also something that we're covering today. Uh, Elon Musk has uh, also speaking of whistleblowers. Elon Musk has decided to file an amended SEC um, report uh, asking to sever the the buyout agreement uh, on the basis of being misled by Twitter on on their financials, and he's using um, the the whistleblowing allegations from Peter Zatko, also nicknamed Mudge, who was. Uh, formerly what was known as an ethical hacker, somebody who would uh, hack for, you know, white hat type purposes. And um, and so Zatko came forward This is about three or four weeks ago, came forward to talk about that after he had already alerted Congress, the SEC, the Federal Trade Commission, um, and I believe the Department of Justice on what's going on inside of Twitter. Now there's some skepticism as to whether or not this strategy is going to work for Elon Musk. Some of my followers who are very well versed in the, in the Musco I guess uh, if we could, if we can call it that um, Montana skeptic, by the way, is uh, one of my followers, He's a very smart guy. Doesn't think that this is going to amount to much more than a hill of beans when it comes to getting out of the Twitter deal. We'll see. <laughs> but I think Twitter's got a really big legal fight on its, on its hands. And I, I just in general, it's, it's kind of disappointing because I, was kind of hoping Musk would actually take control of Twitter and shake things up. And maybe this is all just an extended ploy to get Twitter to lower the, the share price. It still might be worth it, but, um, but we'll see. It's going to end up in court. <laughs> it will definitely end up in court. And speaking of ending up in court, I have a post that'll be up by the time that this podcast comes out. Talk, ABC News raises the question and it's, they're not alone in this, but they raised the question today about whether Joe Biden's academia bailout will survive a court challenge. And I take a, I take a kind of a deeper dive into the HEROES Act on which they've predicated this to point out that the HEROES Act doesn't actually give the president the authority to wipe out student debt. What it did do was give the president authority for a limited amount of time. <clears throat> both Trump and Biden, because the, the amount of time that we're talking about here uh, overlapped both presidencies. It started in, I think the HEROES Act passed in the summer of um, 2020. And this extent, it may, may have even been in September. And then it, it, the authority to post or to, to pay the monthly payments of student debt expired in September of 2021. There was a finite amount of funds, by the way, appropriated for Congress for this purpose. It's only, it's, it's, it's a, this sounds weird because it's $45 billion that was allocated for this, right? It was appropriated by Congress for this purpose, uh, but it's a tiny fraction of what the actual cost is going to be. It's like 1 20th, It is like 5% of what this, of what Biden's bailout may end up costing. And so the question really isn't whether this will survive a court challenge, because if this thing gets into court, it's going to get laughed out of court just like the CDC um, eviction moratoria did, just like um, the the clean power plan got uh, thrown out by the Supreme Court. This thing is not gonna survive a court challenge. The question is, is it actually going to get a court challenge? Because it may be very difficult to get a plaintiff who can show actual concrete damage, which is what you have to be able to show in order to have standing to sue the federal government over a policy. Even if it's unconstitutional as hell, uh, that's what it's needed. Now, Congress could sue over this. The House of Representatives or the Senate could sue over it, and they would get automatic standing to sue on this. The problem is, of course, is that those are being controlled by Democrats, Democrats who want this uh, student loan program to work. And so you'd have to get a vote authorizing the lawsuit on the floor of one or both chambers. And for right now, you're never going to get that. Now, perhaps you could get it after January if Republicans take control of the House and if they take, take control of the Senate, both the Senate and the House could could sue uh, Joe Biden over this and the administration and stop this. The question is how much of, this, of the money that he's appropriating will get spent in that amount of time? I suspect probably none of it because Biden was completely incompetent in setting this thing up in the first place but it's still a question worth asking is whether or not you're going to be locking the barn door after the after the colt is bolted right we will have to keep an eye on that, but that post went up at noon today, so I hope that you get a chance to to see that. There are A lot of other great posts that are going to be going up today. Karen Townsend, of course, joining us full time, so she's got a number of posts that are going up each day. Jazz Shaw's got a VIP post that's up uh, uh, that talks about the um, the boyfriend clause of red flag laws, and he takes kind of a really deep look at that for our VIP section today. So if you remember, you're going to want to take a look at that. And um, and like I said. Lots of interesting things coming, both inside and outside the VIP um, uh, the VIP membership area. So stay tuned. Uh, all will be made clear, or at least some will be made clear next week. So stay tuned for that. Stay tuned. Also, coming up right now, my weekly conversation with Andrew Malcolm, the prince of Twitter, the regent of red state. And we talk about the politics of the day and his uh, his latest columns, plus we get some jokes of the day as well so stay tuned for that stay tuned for also for my audio commentary for salem radio network uh, and town hall which uh will follow andrew's um andrew's interview and of course uh you can also find out how to subscribe to this podcast as well as our vip program at the very end here so stay tuned for that until then have yourselves a great day don't miss a minute of the ed morrissey show welcome back to the ed morrissey show podcast joining me as always on tuesdays the prince of twitter the regent of redstate.com andrew malcolm at ah malcolm on the twitters is and of course redstate.com is where you find him in his all his vip gloriousness uh andrew welcome back
1: thank you good to be here as
0: always and and i guess um the, uh, the, the, the big uh, question here is how excited are you to pay for somebody else's uh, college education? Oh, other, than, I'm, other than your yeah. own kids? How, how excited are yeah. you to be paying for oh, I'm
1: just, I'm just thrilled. You know, I wrote a bunch of books so that they wouldn't have any college loans and debts. So <laughs> I'm, so I'm thrilled to be able to, to chip in on, on other people's loans. You know, the, the thinking about now, I saw something online that said that Jill and somebody else. Jill and somebody else didn't like the idea, but he went ahead. Anyway. Yellen, Janet Yellen. Yellen. Yeah. Um, uh, I, it, it's just so nonsensical. I, I see if you want to ca- uh, cater to the to the far left but uh, there's so many people who aren't on the far left who have either paid off their own loans or are still paying off their loans um, or didn't have any and feel like, well, if you got the loan, you pay it off.
0: Yeah. I mean, honestly, a lot of people calculated their, their financial, um, you know, their retirements and everything else like that based on, getting their student loans paid off. They weren't investing in their 401ks. They weren't investing in whatever other investments there were because they wanted to get those student loans paid off. And for the people who paid off their student loans, I mean, they have to be feeling a little bit like um, suckers at the moment because they could have, if they had just held out, they could have uh, gotten at least a significant chunk of it forgiven, which is not actually what's happening. It's that the federal government's actually paying the bill which means I'm paying the bill. And I never did yeah. get a student loan. I never had yeah. a student loan. I wasn't much of a student well, either. maybe Andrew, you, so, but, you maybe
1: should have, that's your fault. Ed. <laughs> yeah, Otherwise that's... you could be paying off someone someone else's loan. So you're kind of out of it.
0: Well, I am gonna be paying off somebody else's loan. Apparently I'm gonna be paying off the loans of the people that they're, are getting debt forgiveness. And this is just a crazy thing. I mean, there's all sorts of levels of crazy with this, right? I mean, there's first off, There's no way that the president can just simply spend a trillion dollars without any sort of appropriation from Congress. I mean, at some point, assuming that you can get standing to sue over this, the courts are going to bring this to a screeching halt. It's just simply unconstitutional. But on the other, you know, but even apart from that, right? I mean, what Joe Biden said was, oh, please take pity on all these Harvard graduates. (laughs)
1: You yeah, plumbers, yeah. you
0: plumbers, and you know pipe fitters, and retail clerks, and and um, you know and mom and Uber pop business dri- Uber drivers, Uber yeah. drivers. Yeah, you should really take pity on the poor underclass of <clears throat> college graduates who are already professionals who don't want to pay their debts. I mean, that's <laughs> it's just a,
1: so silly. And and Harvard has what thirty one billion in endowment?
0: Fifty. It has a fifty three billion dollar endowment. Yes. Yeah. Fifty three billion. Well, we
1: should all we should all chip in and get them a little bit more because that's kind of low.
0: Well, I mean, Lawrence Tribe, right. Who is a you know, he's a he's a media pundit, uh, a lefty media pundit. But he's a his his day job, if you will, is Harvard Law School professor, right. Full professor at Harvard Law School. And he sends out this tweet when Joe Biden makes this announcement saying, on behalf of the thousands of my students who are struggling with, with student loan debt, thank you, Mr. President. These are Hava graduates, right? <laughs> now, if a Harvard degree does not pay off well enough to cover the cost of getting one, then this program is a failure. It's an utter yeah. failure. And I mean, this is the part that nobody's, well, I don't wanna say nobody's talking about, I've been talking about it for days, but the idea that you have to bail out students who've already received their college education and already received their degrees because the economic bonus of those degrees didn't <laughs> wasn't able to meet the cost of that—I mean, to me, that's an indictment of college degrees in general. I mean, we shouldn't yeah, even be exactly. subsidizing this anymore.
1: Exactly, and and also it's an opt-out for those who could pay it but just don't want it. They want somebody else to pick it up. Right, and, and you know. I was thinking, uh, I've got nothing really to back this up, but I was thinking that this is, if, if he, well, whoever got him to do this, if they were thinking about it, they may think that it's just, it's worth the PR burst now that we're forgiving this, even though it will never happen after the election.
0: Right. I think that's exactly what it is. I think they know it's never going to happen. It's thing going to get stopped in court, and the problem with that thinking <laughs> is that it is the it is the uh, almost the diametric opposite of three dimensional chess thinking. Because what's going to happen when they get into court and this thing gets tossed, right? Especially if it happens right away, which hopefully it will. Um, they're gonna um, they're going to have excited a whole you know millions of people who they're trying to get votes from only to have them get disappointed in the end, and who are going to be extremely angry over having gotten their hopes up and having to restructure their financial lives around the idea that some of this debt or all of it is going away. And disillusionment is never an aphrodisiac in no. an <laughs> election. No, you're, right? Yeah,
1: you're absolutely right. But that comes after the election and it's just hand the mouth with this crowd.
0: Yeah, it's true. I mean, again. It's this is a it's a short term burst. It's like their economic plans. Honestly, it really is like their economic plans. Well, we'll go for a short term, a short term burst, a sugar high, and then hope that people don't don't understand that, you know, coming down off the sugar high is also our fault. And and we're hearing a lot of that today. You know, Elizabeth Warren was on um, uh, CNN State of the Union Sunday morning, right, saying, well, I, you know, I am afraid that Jerome Powell is going to tip us into a recession we have a strong economy. I'd rather have a strong economy and high prices than um, a recession where millions of people lose their jobs. And first off, we've got the high prices, but we don't have the strong economy because I don't know if Elizabeth Warren is noticing this, Andrew, but we've had two quarters of contraction in GDP. Yeah. That's not a strong economy.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, she got what 400, 400,000 grand a
0: year, uh, for, um,
1: I think it was over class. two years.
0: I think it was for, it, it was for two lectures, and I think it was four hundred twenty nine thousand dollars. I think over two two terms, um, for for teaching a grand total of two classes. Her husband apparently is a professor at Harvard. Harvard. Oh. Harvard. Well, so I mean, okay. it's still it's yeah. I mean. It, they paid her that, and this was, I think, in 2010 and 2011 because she was one of Barack Obama's economic advisors at the time and was going to get, was rumored to get that, uh, you know, that consumer board uh, job that she would helped create and only to get torpedoed by the Senate. And it went to some, some other guy. I forget who it was that got it. But they paid her that, not because her her two lectures were worth $220,000 each. I mean, that's Hillary Clinton money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's 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 not Elizabeth Warren money. That's Hillary Clinton money. The, the reason they paid her for paid her that much is because she's she was helping to feed the academia beast, right? And and she still is. Because who benefits from from these student loan uh bailouts? I mean, the students the, the students yes, right? But also also the colleges and universities that don't have to answer questions about why they why their graduates can't afford uh, the cost of their education
1: and quietly over the next year raise their tuition 10 grand.
0: You bet, you bet that's exactly what's going to happen. It's uh, tuition's yeah. keep going tuition's at some
1: point. Up. At some point, I have to think that the college education thing is going to become uh, a buyer's market, not a seller's market.
0: Well, I mean i'd like to think that it's going to become a buyer's market but we don't we won't get there because you have um government subsidizing the demand for this right yeah
1: exactly that's what i mean so at some point somebody is in the federal government is going to realize this and start to make hay off of we could save a lot doing this well well i saw something just before we started taping uh, that uh, under Joe Biden, the national debt has gone up $3 trillion.
0: Yeah. Well, well I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. they spent $1.9 trillion on the um, American rescue plan. That was all off budget, right? So that's $2 trillion right there, plus the normal and, budget deficit. And,
1: and uh, the FBI is trying to retrieve some $250 million fraudulently handed out. So... So what we're doing is we're giving out too much money to spark inflation as a hidden, invisible tax. Right. And then spending millions more with FBI agents to get some of it back because we weren't careful about who got it in the first place.
0: Yes. You know, I, you know but it, I think it was actually the Secret Service that was trying to claw back some of the PPP money, the, the Paycheck Protection Program. Um, the PPP program was an emergency measure be, that was put into place. And this is another thing that's really dishonest about the debate over the student loan forgiveness plan. Is that the White House is trying to uh, flag different members of Congress whose companies benefited from the PPP program. But that was... <laughs> That was a program that was crafted to keep employees paid when governments shut down their workplaces. And it was a it was a loan that had forgiveness built in up front if the employer met certain conditions, which is that all the money had to go to the employees, which is what happened. It's the only reason why those loans got forgiven. If all the money went to the employees, the loans got forgiven, if not, then they didn't. And they had employers had to pay them back. And so all the money went, it's pretty easy to show that all the money went to the employees anyway, because money's fungible. But um, but at any rate, it kept employees on the payroll. And that was what it was designed to do. It was a short-term program for a government-created catastrophe. Now, we can argue about whether it was out of necessity or not, but it was... There's no doubt that these were this, that the economic calamity in the spring of 2020 was created by the government as a means of fighting the the COVID pandemic. So Congress
1: right. two year two years to flatten the curve
0: right yeah <laughs> two years and counting right so now they're saying well if you if you receive money from PPP you can't complain about us doing student loan debt forgiveness which is nonsense student loan debt. The, the student loans were crafted for students to get the, get their education and pay it back, pay the cost back over time as their income potential increased. That was, it, nobody ever said that these loans were going to for, be forgiven. There wasn't any expectation that these loans were going to be forgiven. And it wasn't, And and the students were the ones receiving the benefit from it. It wasn't because governments mandated them to go to college, right? Sometimes even, yeah. your, parents, <laughs> sometimes even your parents can't force you to do that. Um, so, I mean, it's just nonsense. This is nonsense, dishonest arguments coming out of the White House over this. And so, yeah, I mean, you mentioned the PPP and the Secret Service trying to get back $280 million, I think it was. 250 280 you were in the right ballpark, and I'm somewhere around there. Yeah, but, you know,
1: $250, to 280000000 million. Uh, we're not talking about real money.
0: money. Yeah, yeah, we're not talking real money chunk <laughs> chunk 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 so um uh anyway the, the, the all of this has been entirely dishonest and it's in service to a really dishonest um uh program which is the entire student loan program in itself because it doesn't it doesn't have uh enough value uh, for the students, because it's trapping them in debt that they can't possibly pay back, even with the extra added boost of income that they get from having the college degree. So if it's and this is what's going to happen, we've we're now going to forgive a bunch of this debt, which means that we're going to spend a ton of money paying it off for, for these students. And now every time it gets to a certain level, the lenders, the colleges and the students are going to expect the federal government to do it all over again. I mean, it's going
1: absolutely to be, it's a financially beneficial precedent
0: yep yeah. and uh except for uh taxpayers yeah except for except for all of us and they're doing this in the middle of an inflationary wave and the and uh, you know the the dumbest part of this right is literally in the same month they were bragging about lowering the deficit in the inflation reduction act by 330 billion dollars or 300 billion dollars. <laughs> Along comes this plan that's going to cost somewhere between six hundred billion and a trillion dollars, and it's all <laughs> off budget, and it's all going to hit almost all of it's going eighty five percent of it will hit in the first year, according to the Penn Wharton um, budget model analysis that uh, University of Pennsylvania put out, and and they're pretending oh no 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 we're still doing we're still doing deficit reduction yeah yeah sure you are and we have a strong economy too
1: <laughs> and, yeah yeah I'm, I'm missing that. Oh, and the shelves are all full now.
0: Yes, and the and check the baby is in the mail. the
1: formula is taken care of. The check is and, in the uh, mail. Too it was an, the Afghan exit was an extraordinary success.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, that kind of brings us to um, what's happening in uh, Baghdad today. Muqtada al-Sadr decided that he was going to retire from politics and protest, in large part because the Iranian Shias <laughs> were controlling uh, the, Afghan, or, excuse me, the uh, Iraqi government in Baghdad. And his um, Sadr's um, uh, Shia supporters stormed the green zone. And, I mean, you really do need a scorecard to keep track of this stuff. Sadr was originally sort of uh, pro-Iran, and then he became anti-Iran later on, and um, it's a mess. Uh, But there there are rumors, at least at the moment, as we're taping this on Monday afternoon, that the U.S. has had to evacuate its personnel from the embassy in the green zone because of the violence there. Um, that hasn't been confirmed, but <laughs> I, I mean, are we going to see helicopters lifting off another American embassy in the Biden administration? Because that's not, that is, uh, no es Bueno, Andrew.
1: No es Bueno. Yeah. As opposed to the previous president who, who whacked the, uh, Iranian terror chief yep. just outside the Baghdad airport. Yep. I still I still love that story. I I just think, you know, he finds out they're there and okay, take him out. He killed so many Americans. um, He doesn't deserve to exist. And what was he doing there? Fomenting more of this trouble.
0: Yep. They weren't even hiding it. (laughs) I mean, nobody was pretending he was doing anything else, right? Solomoni yeah, was
1: comes, the, yeah. yeah he comes in and out and and he had been on a private plane flying in from Turkey that day so you know <laughs> the whole thing is so sorted you understand why or how Trump well I don't I I still haven't figured out how Trump tapped into the anger and frustration that you and I are talking about in the heartland about Washington and the double-dealing and no consequences and, and yep. the bookkeeping and all that stuff. For a, a Fifth Avenue billionaire to, to be the only one of 17 Republicans to figure that out, um, I mean, it's brilliant politics for somebody who wasn't really a politician. Yep. Not now. He had other problems, but still. Uh, I, that's admirable. That's like uh, Sarah Palin's speech when we were in your city uh, in 2008, her acceptance speech at the Republican convention. Yep. Every year or so, I go back and look at that. It's just it. It's a wonderful public communications yep. Um, achievement. Yep. And and the ten minutes of it, she. The guy who wrote it, I know, is a friend, and he he said that she worked on it, she almost memorizes them. Good thing because the teleprompter broke yep. for 10 minutes. And I mean, I can't imagine I have trouble with the tech that we have just for you and me to talk, but I can't <laughs> imagine being in front you know, being in front of millions of people with the teleprompter showing words that I've already said and my eyes seeing them while I'm actually saying words that are far ahead because I know them so well. Yep. I mean, it's just, you You may not like Sarah Palin for a lot of things, but that was a real coup, as was overthrowing uh, Senator Murkowski's father in, um, in right. Alaska politics. I mean, that's like, over overpowering the chicago democrat machine uh and sarah palin ousted frank murkowski the governor yep. uh, i as a as a newcomer and a neopolitical neophyte anyway they, those are one of the some of the things that, that make to me politics so fascinating
0: yep i agree and you know what Other, getting back to uh conflicts you know international conflicts your VIP column yesterday turned out to be pretty prescient, which it usually is. Usually, oh is. yeah, I
1: mean, absolutely. I mean, the big except f- to my family.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, um, <laughs> who whose family actually? You know, a prophet is without honor in his own hometown. I mean, come on, yeah, we know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as writers, we know that all too well. But, um, but yesterday you wrote a, a VIP column over at RedState.com because you are the regent of Red State. I
1: like. Yes, indeed.
0: That. And uh, the column was the compelling case to supply Ukraine with rep- weapons to resist Putin, and lo and behold, the very next day, or really that evening, Ukraine apparently launched its um, its long-awaited counteroffensive against the Russians in the Donbas region around, uh, Kurs- oh, not around, not in the donbass excuse me, but in in Kherson, which is actually more like the middle south. It's um it's a, a gateway to um, Crimea. And it's incredibly important strategically for both sides, and this is um, this is a big deal. That if the if the yes. uh, if the Ukrainians can recapture Kherson and cut the, you know get you know break the Russian lines here, this is um, this is going to be a a pretty big development in the Ukraine war. It
1: is, and even if, as I gather. Uh, <laughs> Judging by the comments, I gather a lot of people are cynical about corruption in Ukraine. Well, as if there isn't any in the United States. Right. The, some of the funniest moments of the Obama administration was him, the Chicago politician, lecturing Hamid Karzai in Afghanistan about the need to fight corruption there. <laughs> I mean, yeah. come on, give me a break, Chicago Paul. Anyway, what? Uh, Even if we didn't send the money over there somehow, and we we we're just talking about the Secret Service, somehow some of it would be embezzled over here. Uh, Yeah, I think it's it's an investment. You know, we got in trouble in Vietnam and Afghanistan because we were trying to build nations where there weren't nations. Now we have a nation that is a nation and we're helping it uh, fight a Russian invasion Uh, simply by sending over expensive and voluminous weaponry and shells. Um, But our guys aren't involved. So what we're doing is financing, in effect, us and the 30 other allies that are sending stuff in, uh, subsidizing the depletion of Russian military uh, by somebody that aren't Americans. So I don't, I don't see a downside to that. Uh, if it discourages Putin or cripples him so that he can't take on another country, you know, if he went into Poland, that's NATO, so we're in the war. Right. So if we, can, if we can crush his effort to take over Ukraine, nobody thinks like Hitler that, that uh, Putin's done with uh, taking over. If he takes over Ukraine... Then there's the Baltic states, which are also in NATO, and we'd be involved in that. Moldova. So if we can deplete, and apparently the using our weaponry, and I guess it was crucial in, in this offensive, using our weaponry, there's been great uh, destruction in the Russian uh, military uh, by Ukrainians um, who are punching above their weight uh, because we can give them the stuff to fight back. I know they've been pinching off the bridges one by one uh, in that area. And uh, you'll notice that when they, when they bomb them, they're not taking out the footings so they can repair them. Right. (laughs) They're taking out the roadway. And uh, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, to me, it's a great investment. Uh, If it stops Putin, but either way, it's depleting his military resources. He's now announced he's got to recruit 187,000 more soldiers. Uh, well, I'm sorry for the loss of life, but nobody invited them in, so it's on them.
0: Yep. No, I, I completely agree with you on that. It is on them, and, um, and, I have you know, I, I've seen a lot of people who have been you know, the skeptics on on American involvement with Ukraine. You know, in regards to, in regards to Ukrainian um, corruption, that sort of thing. But look, I mean, I think you have to. Um, I, I mean, I think you have to live in the real world here. The, yeah. It's Russia that is invading another country for territorial aggression, and I don't care how corrupt the government was in Kiev or how corrupt it wasn't. You can't. You can't let that go unchallenged because to let it go in challenge means it's going to continue and um you can always find something to gripe about about every country and every government i don't like too many analogies to world war ii but this really does uh this really is sort of like uh the, the choice here was sort of a munich choice right yes you know czechoslovakia was specifically crafted to provide a bulwark against uh german territorial aggression to the east right the the bohemia moravia especially were very very difficult to get around and what we create it would it would have created an enormous um obstacle that hitler would have had to commit many more troops to if he if he wanted to do, go on a territorial acquisition to the east and that's the reason why the you know the post world war 1 Czechoslovakia emerged as part of a key uh, security strategy and the allies in 1938 just threw it away. Yeah. <laughs> just tossed yeah. it aside. And um because they thought that the government in in Czechoslovakia was was you know balkish and 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 hard to deal with and they wanted their own thing and you know the Brits and the oh. French knew better as to what the security situation should be in Europe and literally just threw all that aside without even involving Czech, Czechoslovakian government. You have to read William Shire to see just how shameful was this me. was.
1: Yeah. That's a, that was a, a classic colossal work. As we threw away, uh, Muammar Gaddafi who was not a good guy. No, so we had an agreement in, uh, 2002 that if he gave up his nuclear weapons, uh, we'd leave him alone. Yep. But, uh, the Nobel Peace Prize winner joined in with the Europeans to throw him out,
0: Well, so, to bomb him into oblivion and then get, um, yeah. you know, basically death yeah. by sodomy and by his own people. I mean, I I don't know that that was an uh, I don't know that that was an unjust outcome for Gaddafi, given what he what kind of a person no, he was. No, it wasn't.
1: But if but, but if, it was a if,
0: disaster for you know strategically, it was a disaster for us.
1: Right. And Ukraine gave up its nuclear weapons as Gaddafi did because of the Budapest agreement and which agreed to leave Ukraine alone. And now Russia isn't. So if you're Iran and North Korea, how much weight do you attach to a Western word saying we won't bother you? Well, maybe not now, but later you're in deep doo-doo because we change our minds. It's it's. The diplomatic duplicity is not new, but it's a lesson that I think the mullahs have learned.
0: Yep. Yep. I think everybody's learned it. Arm up, because the security guarantees that, that you get from the West are are worthless. They're a joke, Andrew Malcolm, an absolute joke. An which absolute brings us, joke. Which brings us to the jokes of jokes the week. Jokes of the week. Yeah. I better get them out. Well, there you go. But in the meantime, while Andrew's getting those out, I just want to remind people you go to redstate.com to read his VIP columns. Got some great VIP content over at uh, redstate.com. And then we're going to have some pretty good VIP content coming up at uh, Hot Air. But more on that later um but, but uh, and you could also go to twitter because andrew is the prince of twitter after all at a h malcolm and now we get to the jokes of the week yeah that's
1: right well, i got a couple they're old but i got a couple that's good that conan replays john mccain says people are so angry about america's future that he sees a revolution coming McCain said he has this same feeling back in 1776.
0: Yeah, well, there you go. Expert <laughs> it testimony. It was a familiar
1: feeling, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, I was. You know, I can only I can only attest going back as far as 1859. So you know, that's oh, all okay. that's all I can. Yeah.
1: Well, you're just a youngster. <laughs> um, and then there's a Conan replay yesterday. Uh, there was a brawl in China uh, during Joe Biden's speech. Uh, apparently, someone was blocking the exit. <laughs> <laughs> i like I'm, that
0: yeah, I'm, I'm i'm surprised that uh people were awake okay <laughs>
1: um and uh, let's see finally a uh, uh, fallon replay he says uh news organizations are actually telling people given the world's shaky situation what to do in case of a nuclear attack they say people should immediately stay inside and keep watching netflix <laughs>
0: <laughs> and just chill man just chill just chill that's right yeah boost
1: those uh, streaming hours
0: boost the streaming hours indeed and of course we always like to boost our andrew malcolm hours here at the ed morrissey show <laughs> andrew malcolm yeah. of course the prince of twitter at ah malcolm and the regent of redstate.com andrew thanks so much for being with us today
1: you bet thank you edward see you everybody next week
0: all right stay tuned for one quick message from the ed morrissey show coming up next This is Ed Morrissey of HotAir.com for Town Hall. The White House claims that Joe Biden's proposed student loan debt forgiveness plan will rescue tens of millions from an unjust burden. It's really just a shameful and illegal abuse of executive power by Biden, spending hundreds of billions without congressional authorization. It does nothing except to bail out academia and the ideological factory it has become. The demands for such debt relief prove that the financial model for college has failed. Tuition has risen so high that the extra earnings from a college education no longer covers its costs. When thousands of Lawrence tribes Harvard, Harvard graduates, are trapped by their student debt, it proves a total market failure. The only beneficiaries of this failed market model are the universities deluged in consumer demand fueled by government-protected loans bankrupting students. And that directly benefits the progressive politicians that get support from the progressive ideologues produced by academia. And now it's the working and middle classes that will foot the bill. It's massive consumer fraud, and we'll all be paying for it. I'm Ed Morrissey. Thank you for watching and listening to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. Be sure to subscribe at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube to get alerted as soon as new episodes get published. You can support the Ed Morrissey Show and Hot Air's VIP reporting by becoming a VIP member, too. Visit hotairvip.com and use the promo code SAVEAMERICA, all one word, for 40% off your membership. Choose VIP Gold and gain membership to access to all of the town hall sites. Thanks again for watching and listening.